Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra, the Watchful. And friends, we are back with an exciting theory. I know, Matt, we said like we were thinking about jumping right into A Storm of Swords last week. But guess what, friends? Uh, well, we have one more thing on the plate. That's right. We have one more thing on the plate. We, we hadn't uh, quite figured out. And, and really, also, we have a couple of vacations, a couple other things coming up. So we thought we would drop one more uh, very good, very well thought out, well written uh, theory that I think is it, it, it brings to light other ideas and theories. There's a lot of things you can jump off from in terms of who this person is and how it matters to the story. It's just kind of it's kind of fascinating. I stumbled across this and I I really think it, and now it's long. It's going to take us a bit. There are probably three parts to this, and we might do parts one and two for you guys here on the feed, or we might do two and three over on Patreon. Not sure, but really part one will give you. A lot of what you need and you from there you will even i believe be highly encouraged to go dive down your own rabbit holes it is a little tinfoil and then we're going to start the prologue we're going to get into a storm of swords um and all that good stuff we'll have guests back on too we, we plan on having some guests back on the show that was fun i hope you guys enjoyed that by the way you know yeah so absolutely so yeah who is the elder brother of the quiet isle mega yeah. tinfoil essay this is from uh toodles right who i'm pretty yeah. sure we've read from before we have i, I need we to have. look this i'll look this person up while you get started here just to see yes go ahead go ahead so again this is uh just to kind of set the stage here in in, in terms of who is the elder brother um we're just going to pull up the wiki page here this is a place where brienne of tarth shows up and the elder brother is kind of in charge of the quiet isle he's the leader of a septry on the quiet isle and he's reputed to have powers as a healer and his name is unknown. Now, his description is given. He's a tall man, large, square head, shrewd eyes, uh, veined red nose, a heavy jaw. All of those descriptions, by the way, matter. And this theory is going to show you that. He's got a shaved head. Um, he was the third son of a family of knights, and he had nothing to offer the woman he wanted to marry but the shield, sword, and horse of his own knighthood. He fought for House Targaryen at the Battle of the Trident, which is huge. He fought for House uh, Targaryen, and uh, he was knocked unconscious. Others thought him dead, so they stripped his armor and possessions and dumped his body into the trident. He floated downstream, where he awoke naked on the quiet isle. 
He spent the next 10 years in silence. So in the Feast for Crows, uh, Brienne of Tarth, uh, Sir Hyle Hunt, Podrick Payne, Septon, Marybald meet the elder brother on the quiet aisle. He tells them of the raid on salt pans and the end of Sandor Clegane. And he informs Brienne that it was Arya Stark uh, who Sandor held captive, not Sansa. And that's really kind of the guy we're talking about. And this, we're following Brienne's story and she shows up to, to meet this guy. So yeah, okay. let's get, let's get ready to, to dive into this. And I might have to pause again. It's long. So if I have to pause here for a second, just for a breather, you guys bear with me, but um, yeah, it's big, it's big. It's big. And, and I, I like his, his preface here. Uh, he kind of talks about that uh, his reasoning and he says, my reasoning and imagining is indeductive as hell. I tried to adduce scenarios that are consistent with the facts and which make uh, better sense of them for me than conventional explanations. Song of Ice and Fire isn't a uh, creativity-free logic puzzle. It's literature. It's five-fifths of the way into A Song of Ice and Fire. We could actually, oh, I'm sorry, if five-fifths of the way through A Song of Ice and Fire, we could actually deductively prove my theories by brute force of logic, A Song of Ice and Fire would be an awfully crappy mystery. That's a good point. Like I think sometimes like if it's so obvious and if it's just so painted out and it's like a, like this puzzle that you that you can figure out very easily, then then yeah, then why um then that's why, you know, the the, lit the literary evidence and, and thematics are are so important. You know, George wants us to go along for that ride, I guess, right? Yeah. Okay. So, this huge theory does some uh does stuff some people hate. It raises the dead, it alleges secret identities, makes apparently minor characters important. Uh, hopefully I can show how the crazy stuff I think is happening is consistent with a tight, dramatic, compelling, tragic, irony laden mystery story. And I hope it's interesting and entertaining, if nothing else. On the other hand, if you like tinfoil, you're in for a treat. And that's what that's where he had me. I'm like, I, I'm down tinfoil. Give it to me. Uh, let's let's go. So let's go into the background and the readings and the ideas here. So this post began with a simple question. Who is the elder brother of the quiet aisle? And I think it's okay for me to say this, like this theory doesn't uh, relate to what, like typically Matt, what's, what's out there is that the elder brother of the quiet aisle is one of the, uh, he could be either a true born or bastard born. He's, he's a member of house dairy, which is the reason I stumbled across this whole thing. As you guys know, a few episodes back, I was looking into house dairy more, the Targaryen banners, uh, Sir Willem dairy helping out Danny and, all that stuff right in Viserys as they as they moved around so who the heck is this guy that fought in the battle of the trident fought on the side of the Targaryens was a knight and a lot of people come to the conclusion that he is a dairy well you're not gonna believe who this guy comes up with and it's actually actually fantastic so um yeah it ended up taking me for a while right I never would have uh, expected or believed if someone had pitched it to me at the beginning I have no doubt what follows uh, I have no doubt what follows is easier to swallow if you believe something like my hypothesis and he's got this whole other thing. You believe our story is likely to be deeply tragic and saturated with irony. Uh, you see one of A Song of Ice and Fire's central themes is the instability and, inscru and inscrutability of identity, which, Matt, you've talked about that a lot. Like, there's all these right. different characters, right? Um, he has a good uh, situation. So it argues that A Song of Ice and Fire tells us that in most cases, characters will not recognize the true identity of character Y if character Y is disguised uh, as and or claiming to be some character D. We will instead blindly recognize only character D. And what's more, 
they won't think twice about it. That's a real, I think that was really well put because we did a whole like who is who secret identities thing. And that's what happens. Our characters believe that character D is who character D says he is, but really he's right. actually character Y. I mean, it's exactly right. Yeah. So no, hundred, hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, it wouldn't hurt also if you were ready to buy that there's something up with the Neo faith of the sparrows. It seems to involve faceless men and an idea uh, I talk about here. So he's talking about, there's a really weird connection in all of this, and you guys are going to hear me talk about it in a second. It's the Faceless Men faction. So uh, TFM, Faceless Men, he will refer to them a lot and thinks they're somehow connected to the Sparrows, but not not directly. They're more of a neo-faith. So it seems to be... So yeah, it's... Uh, let's see. Yeah, he's arguing that the High Sparrow acts like a Faceless Man because he is, in fact, a Faceless Man. Even okay. if you don't buy my thesis that the High Sparrow is a faceless man, skin changed into Balon Greyjoy's living body, like Bran's skin changes into Hodor, they are striking indisputable parallels between the High Septon and the Kindly Man, which suggests a relationship between the Neo-Faith and, and the Faceless Man. And so, Matt, that link that you have there where he says, uh, an, an idea I talk about here, if you click on that, it's a whole, it's a whole theory and connection where in which he uh, likens the High Septon to the kindly man that we see at the house of black and white, uh, white yeah. and black. And so you have the, the faceless man connection, which is interesting. So uh, this essay will play with the idea that a group of faceless men, or perhaps a related and, or, um, or another group, we don't know yet enough about to distinguish them from the classic faceless men. So like, this is a kind of a quasi faceless men group have infiltrated and agitated and organized the grassroots orders of the faith. They are the wellspring of what I'm calling the neo-faith, uh, a quiet heresy, and yeah, and that propped up by the sparrow and rooted in faceless men ideology in which the small folk of the Riverlands are akin to the slaves of old Valyria. So George does like to make those connections between the, the history and then you know what he, what he told us in A World of Ice and Fire and then seeing that repeat itself here again in Westeros is, is I think, something that uh, an idea that he likes. Uh, I submit that the base of this group of faceless men or faceless men equivalents on Westeros is the quiet isle. So the quiet isle, a place that's inherent, inherently isolated, convenient to bravos, uh, possessed of a large and growing graveyard and primarily inhabited by monks who can't talk about their business. So you think about this again, the, the faceless men, people come there to die, right? They come for the gift of death and things. And like, you know, you have uh, their assassins and these guys are also tending graveyards. They're 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 tending this monastery type of thing. And they are if you look it up on a, on a map, the quiet aisle and you look at the association to Bravos, it's it's interesting there, too. So uh, I am unfortunately not able to provide a satisfactory fleshed out explanation of what exactly their their project entails uh, of whether they are allied with or opposed to the kindly man and or any other factions, versions of the faceless man there may be, etc., uh, what I can and will do, though, is argue that the elder brother is, like the grave-digging hound, actually a famous dead person. As a result of this identification and a related ID assumption, I then identified a second player living far away, which uh, in turn focused my lens on their family, which then caused a tinfoil can of worms to burst open. 
in isolation, these worms might strike you as crackpot nonsense, but together they actually cohere into what is, for me, a shocking, sensible, dramatic narrative, one I hope to adequately convey herein. And I think the setup for all this is awesome. So it's all about wondering about the Elder Brother, and you can totally see as we get into this how he does stumble into uh, different families and other other you know groups or whatever. So yeah, yeah. Um, the Quiet Isle and the Faceless Men, holy duh, Batman. We're actually pretty much slapped in the face with the fact that something's up with the quiet aisle right away. If we're alert, we are. Yes. So here we go. We got a quote. Um, three men were waiting for them as they clambered up the broken stones that ringed the aisle's shorelines. They were clad in brown and dun robes of brothers with wide bell sleeves and pointed cows. Two had wound. Uh, two had wound links of wool about their lower halves of their faces as well, so that all. So, yeah, so all that could be seen of them were their eyes. So, in other words, the monks of the Quiet Isles are literally faceless, he says, Matt, right? So, all you could see were their eyes. You could not see their faces. Therefore, they are faceless, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, beyond this, there is, a, there is a, a glaring, laughably obvious, foregrounded mystery of the hound slash gravedigger in my opinion there is no mystery at all nor is the gravedigger an example of how germ does secret identity when he's actually trying to fool us rather like artiston and barristan this is a great point that was a pretty obvious thing right artiston slash barristan is right in front of our face he's saying that the hound and the gravedigger is super effing obvious all right mm -hmm. so yeah and we've talked about that a lot like you have no doubt sir matt that that the gravedigger is the hound right i that's certain i be, i believe so yeah yeah yeah, and I think it might make sense. So, so we're going to buy that. And so the mystery, it's it's also funny that George puts that in front of us, like who's this who's this grave digger guy, when really the question is who's the elder brother? And that's what people have tried to find is like the, the obvious thing is like George wants you to look at the obvious hound grave digger guy, but really beyond that is this whole group and this whole faction and specifically their leader, the head honcho, the elder brother. Um, the obvious first thing to note is the elder brother has no name. He's a title, a role, an archetype, just like the kindly man, the high septon, and the shepherd uh, of Dance of Dragons infamy. He's figuratively no one, just like a faceless man should be, just like the high septon is. What's he look like? So here we go. He could hardly be called elder for a start, whereas the brothers weeding in the garden had had the stooped shoulders and the bent backs of old men, he stood straight and tall and moved with the vigor of a man in the prime of his years. Like already, as you're reading it, when you really slow it down, and you think about it, Matt, it's like, okay, this guy's different from the other people working there, right? Uh, nor did he have the gentle, kindly face she expected of a healer. So he's, I mean, the, the whole kindly face man, kindly. right? Yeah, it's right there. It jumps right out. So nor did he have the gentle, kindly face she expected of the healer. Um, his head was large and square, his eyes shrewd, his nose veined and red. Though he wore a, um, a, a, a tonsure, his scalp was as stubbled as his heavy jaw. He looks more like a man made to break bones than to heal them, thought the maid of Tarth. So, And then she tells the elder brother, you look more like a knight than you do a holy man. It was written in his chest and shoulders and across his thick square jaw. Okay. So one more key. Uh, Dantum is, is, uh, is squirreled away in dialogue towards the end of the chapter, far from the elder brother's main physical description. It's a huge key. It's a, it's a big nugget here, uh, but it's so well hidden in plain sight that everybody, including the wiki, misses it completely. 
And he says, uh, it's, it's this fact right here. So the elder brother leaned forward, his big hands on his knees. So now I, I, after, after I read this, I was like, okay, big hands, whatever you go to, you go to a search of ice and fire, right? And holy yeah. smokes, it starts to connect to like people who have like these, these big hands and all the other things like the bulbous nose and the red vein nose and all that kind of stuff. So he's, he's driving somewhere. I promise you guys, here we go. Um, armed with this description, it's clear that the elder brother doesn't stay at the quiet aisle long after Brienne leaves. Sir Morgoth or Sir M who he's going to call him. Um, and by the way, just hold on, hold, hold your britches here on, on Sir Morgarth, uh, who appears as one of the three hedge knights hired by Littlefinger, along with Hallen Reed, a.k.a. Sir Shadrick, who, so he believes this is the that, mouse, right? Yeah, the mad mouse is, is, is Hallen Reed. And Sir, Bri um, and Sir Byron, probably a.k.a. Tyrick Lannister. So again, he's making a couple assumptions there, right? Um, yeah. Is a burly fellow with a thick, salted, and peppered beard, a red-nosed, bulbous, uh, a red nose, bulbous with broken veins and gnarled hands as large as hams. So, assuming the elder brother's beard kept growing, the elder brother, now dressed as a knight, becomes Sir M. So he's kind of saying that later on, um, maybe this person is 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 Sir Morgarth. But let's just go with this for a second here. So Sir M is burly, while the elder elder brother looks like a bone breaker and a knight, especially in his chest and his shoulders. Burly, heavy, strong, muscular, large, thick, all those things. Sir M has a large red bulbous nose, just like the elder brother. Sir M has gnarled hands as big as hams, while the elder brother uh, not only might have matching hands given that he, quote, uh, his hands looks, they look more a man to break bones than to heal them. That was previously said about him. He's, he definitely has big hands to match. And Sir M has a thick beard, and the elder brother has dense stubble, which would be ripe for a thick beard down the line. So he's making some physical connections between the elder brother and this Sir Morgarth. All right, Morgarth. Assuming Sir M and the elder brother are the same person gives us uh, a more complete physical description overall. Note that salt and pepper uh, beard indicates black hair going gray. Uh, which, which marries well with the elder brother being 44 years old, as he tells Brienne he is. So let's at least assume the elder brother is Sir M, and he's after Sansa too. As we'll see, this may be because he's working on behalf of someone very close to another Stark. Okay, so Sir, uh, Sir Morg Arth. Seriously. Okay. Fine, Mor but who... Yeah. Yeah, Morg Arth. Are we getting to this? Is going to be Morg? <laughs> I, 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 not yet, not yet. Okay, um, fine. But who is the elder brother originally? My first thought upon realizing Sir Morgarth is somebody was, holy shit, the elder brother is Arthur Dane, recovered from drunken depression after the tragedies of Robert's Rebellion. He's getting the Tower of Joy band back together with Hallen slash Shadrick. Um I've posted about Arthur hooking up with Elia to beget Aegon and survive in the Tower of Joy, but I've got a stronger version coming. Like this guy's this wild. I mean, some of the stuff he's throwing out, like like uh, like Elia hooking up with with uh, Sir Arthur Dane, just freaking crazy. Um, so where did I get this idea from? Morg Arth, as in dead Arthur. It seems a bit on the nose. No. But if the elder brother is Arthur, Arthur isn't a typical sexy, sexy Dane. Uh, it's certainly possible there are two different Dane looks, as with Arya and Sansa, 
uh, or the Martell slash Targaryens. And it would be pretty great if Sir Arthur Dane is actually a hairy, homely dude. But what if the name is an in-world shout-out? Um, who is close to Arthur and missing? We don't know much about uh, uh, Jonathan Derry. Jamie remembers him as earnest and a good man. This seems accurate, albeit uh, charitable, given the three passages we have. In the first, Derry snap, uh, snaps at Jamie when Jamie bristles at being left at King's Landing at, as uh, Ares' crutch before the Battle of the Trident. I'm not a crutch, I'm a Knight of the King's Guard. Then guard the king, Sir John Derry snapped at him. When you've donned that cloak, you promised, uh, yeah, when you donned that cloak, you promised to obey. Uh, he again seems duty bound when, when uh, Ares rapes uh, Rayella. We are sworn to protect her as well, Jamie had finally been driven to say. We are, Derry allowed, but not from him. In Jamie's fever dream, Derry has the same do your duty attitude. He was going to burn the city, Jamie said, to leave Robert only ashes. He was your king, said Derry. Even a tinfoiler like me thinks uh, he may be dead, if only because it's hinted by the elder brother. We bury them side by side, Stark and Lannister, Blackwood and Bracken, Frey and Derry. Okay, so um, who? So again, he's looking for people that are close to Sir Arthur Dane. So right there, he went with John Derry. Okay, so he's trying to make a connection that, uh, you know, and, and this may seem like it goes kind of off on a tangent, but it stumbles into some other cool things. So I just want you guys to yeah, hang yeah. in here. Yeah. So you've got you got John Derry. Try to connect him to Sir Arthur Dane. Now he's going to try to connect Prince Lewin Martell. He's going to look at him in relationship to the elder brother. So uh, he was close to Arthur Dane. Might he be the elder brother slash Sir M? Uh, we have no physical description. We know nothing much about his parents, nor about his older sister uh, or Doran's. Uh, Obrin's and Elia's mother, the Princess of Dorne, nor about the Prince of Dorne's husbands and consorts. We don't know how many siblings. Um, let me see. Yeah, that he that Lewin Martell and the Prince of Dorne have. Okay, Lynn Corbray supposedly kills a badly wounded uh, Lewin Martell at the Trident, which flows to the Quiet Isle. Okay. So again, this guy was somebody who was badly wounded, like supposedly Prince Lewin was killed. But if he was just like this other John Derry guy, he could have floated down the river to the Quiet Isle. Uh, Peter said that Prince Lewin had been sorely wounded by the time the tide of the battle swept him to his final dance with Lady Forlorn. Uh, Arya Martell says that Lewin Martell was a great knight with a paramour. She's an old woman now, but she was a rare beauty in, in her youth, men say. There is a, in my opinion, not coincidentally, only one other thing in all of A Song of Ice and Fire that is called a rare beauty. The High Septon's last crown, sold by the current High Septon, who is, in my opinion, a faceless man. And if one rare beauty is connected with the faceless man, might not a second be connected? So he's kind of saying here that, like, that Prince Lewin Martell had a paramour who was called a rare beauty. The only other time that you find in A Song of Ice and Fire the term a rare beauty is the High Septon's last crown. And he's making connection, uh, connections between the Quiet Isle and the Elder Brother and this neo-faith in, you know, like this grassroots right. uprising type of thing. So that's, that's where he's making some of those connections. 
So basically, like through them, he found he, he found this Prince Lewin possible connection. But anyways, uh, Jamie groups Lewin Martell with uh, Sirs Went and Derry. Good men, everyone. Selmy thinks Prince Lewin was a valiant brother in arms as many uh, could wish for. Prince Lewin was my sworn brother. In those days, there were few secrets amongst the Kingsguard. I know he kept a paramour. He did not feel there was any shame in that. Um, so again, the paramour is mentioned. You know, anytime that George mentions a couple, of, it keeps consistent with this idea that there's this individual, it's a paramour. Like, there's no reason to add that extra detail unless it matters sometimes with George. So uh, Ariana was only six years old when Lewin Martel died, but remembers he was tall as a tower. Uh, not a ton to go on, yet Selmy conveniently reminds us that Quentin Martel is of the same blood as Lewin. So what does Quentin look like? So now he's trying to make a connection between like, okay, Lewin Martel, we don't really know what he looks like. Um, we, we don't really know what Sir Arthur Dane looks like either, as, as he was mentioning that earlier, um, and John Derry. But he, but he does stop here at Lewin Martel and says, okay, Quentin is of the same blood. So what does Quentin look like? And does Quentin in some way match the elder brother? All right. So Quentin okay. Martel cut a, a poor figure. And this is funny because we just did a, a poor Quentin kind of theory. Right. The other day. Um, he's short-legged and stocky, thickly built with hair, um, the brown of a new turned earth. His forehead was too high, his jaw too square, uh, his nose too broad. A good, honest face. A good, honest face. A girl had called it once, but you should smile more. Uh, as I've argued elsewhere, mud in a saga of ice and fire is so brown as to be black, practically speaking. Assuming new turned earth is akin to mud, uh, Quinta Martel has very dark brown, uh, uh, maybe black hair. Yeah, so cool. Um, he's also, indeed, the Martel's Dornish blood is salty, meaning they're uh, dark haired and olive skinned. All right. Uh, Danny registers Quinta Martel as solemn, stocky lad. His face was squarish, high forehead, heavy jaw, broad nose, stubble on his cheeks. His, his chin made him look like a boy trying to grow his first beard. Selmy describes him uh, as short and stocky again. Uh, Ariana Martel's us. Quentin is plain, so plain. His head was overlarge, a sort of square. He looks too much like father. Aha. So we do know sort of who Doran looks like. Doran Martel looks like Quentin Martel. Our Ariana uh, Ariana repeats his uh, or sorry repeats this. Quentin looks like you, she tells Dora Martel in a feast for crows. Uh, might we surmise that Dora Martel looks not wholly dissimilar to his mother's brother, including Lewin Martel? Okay, so again, actually, so Dora Martel's uncle was Lewin Martel. So thrice we're told Quint is stocky. While we might read this as polite, as a polite way of saying chubby, um, whatever, he's stocky. I'm going to skip on down here a little bit. All right. The, the lack of uh, any reference to a fat, loose-necked of form suggests that he's short-legged. Quentin is thick uh, and unshapely, but probably solid and sturdy. What about when Ariane says he's too thick about the middle? As Belwas can attest, not large bellies. Or I'm sorry, yeah. As Belwas can attest, not all large bellies uh connotate slothfulness right or, or or obesity all right so so some some of us are out there nodding going amen right absolutely mm, yeah right <laughs> uh but uh you see quinta martel lacks a model's figure but this doesn't mean that he's a doughboy um so again just more description here danny describes him as square face flushed and ruddy from too much wine 
Uh, let me see here. Finally, despairing of the rest, Quinta Martel made his way to his solar where he poured himself a cup of wine and drank it in the dark. The taste was sweet solace on his tongue, so he lit a candle and poured himself another. Um, he's drinking alone, all this good stuff. All right, so there's just descriptions on uh, Quinta Martel, which help us sort of understand maybe who Prince Lewin Martel is and in who Oberyn Martel, like what they look like. They're, they're, they're compared, I guess, in, in uh, appearance. So how about Doran and Ariane? First, Doran has gout. Gout has a strong historical association with the overconsumption of alcohol. And again, Quentin was pouring himself a little too much wine and was, was fond of the wine, right? Uh, we also know that Doran Martell looks like Quentin Martell. We can infer a few things. His knuckles were as dark as cherries uh, and near as big. This is just the gout, right? So here we go. We're talking about knuckles in his, chair, in his hands. We're back to this idea of big hands being a thing inside the Martell family. So you got to follow this for a second because the elder brother was described as having big hands. And now he's trying to suggest that maybe uh, Doran has these big hands. So this is just the gout, right? Uh, yet it's also consistent with gout as it might impact big gnarled hands. Uh, now look at this. Dora Martell's legs had been useless for three years, but there was still some strength in his hands and his shoulders. Logically, the last place to lose strength would be the place the places that are the strongest to begin with. Thus, this is a clever, subtle clue that when healthy, Dora Martell had big, strong hands and shoulders. We might, um, while we might otherwise resemble Quentin, or he might resemble Quentin Martell, Dora Martell is probably tall like Lewin Martell. Where the Sand Snakes were tall, Ariane took after her mother, uh, who stood five foot two. So again, saying that like just because Quentin is, is short doesn't mean that his father wasn't tall. Maybe Ariane and Quentin both kind of took after their mother being short. So he's going through like a lot of little details. These, in, are, in these are these are deep. These are deep connections. Mm -hmm. But this is, I mean, it's good because a lot yeah. of it's, it's one of these things too. It's like the size of hands. It's like two people described having. It's like these. These right. are the things. It just goes to show you every time. It's like why we're where I'm still amazed to this day that there's always these things you just overlook in a song of ice and fire. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so like, and you're going to see something that's real interesting here in a second, as far as like their names. So it goes like, he doesn't just give you the, the physical description of the hands and, and, and all this different stuff or like their, their physical features. He's going to do something with names here in a second. That is really important too. So, so stick with us here. Um, Ariane, the, the only connection here is just that she had, she's kind of, she also has like a round belly and she's fond of wine and she has uh, black thick hair. They're just like, like the, the word choice around the Martells is is thick and strong, broad shoulders, strong hands. Um, not super like, I mean, also tall, but not even necessarily like like thin and 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 whatever. I think we 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 think of that from the show, but it's totally not really how they are described in in the book, which is which is right. interesting. So, all right, now like we're we're just doing this deep study here of the of the Martell family. So let's move to Elia and Obrin. So. Of Elia Martell, we, we only know that she was of delicate health, frail and sickly, but possessed a delicate beauty. Her brother Obrin has viper's eyes. He's tall, slim, and graceful, slender, fit, fierce. His face was lined with, um, well, he has these, these arched brows. Let me see here. Large eyes as black and as shiny as pools of, of coal oil. A widow's peak as sharply pointed as his nose. Um, Obrin has slender hands and long strides. His thick black eyebrows are oddly mentioned twice. Oberyn complains that the wine he brings Tyrion, Tyrion in his cell isn't strong enough and even drinks before doing mortal combat with the mountain. Um, 
as is norm. So I always drink before a battle. Uh, Ober Martel fathers Obara Sand on a whore in 271. So at the age of 13 and in 273 finds the woman of the Westerlands too chaste uh, and the wine too sweet. Both his sexuality and his booze palate are um, precarious to say the least. Oberyn Martell laughs often. Um, let me see here. Yeah, he has a laugh. Yeah. Will it make me laugh? Write me songs. Care for me when I am sick and old. Yeah, they're just describing more about Oberyn Martell here. Um, let's see. Dorn, Dorn thinks that Oberyn's bastard daughter, Obara, is too fond of wine. So again, all these connections to wine. And this is all going back to the nose, Sir Matt. It's all going back to the nose being red and vain. So someone who drinks too much wine or who drinks a lot of alcohol ends up having you know, some of these like could have like an, a, a nose like that. Right. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, okay. So let me skip down here. Bonus tin foil. Uh, he goes into some other stuff. He's always going on these tangents about like the, the mystery night and making connections to other people. So we're going to skip down here to this. We're going to go back to the elder brother, uh, the elder brother's elder brother. Uh, it's hopefully obvious where I'm headed that the elder brother slash Sir M is the late Prince Lewin Martel. So that's who he believes right now is that the elder brother, um, who he's also saying is maybe Sir, Sir Morgarth, uh, is the late Prince Lewin Martel of Rhaegar Targaryen's Kingsguard, working for slash with a quote team of faceless men uh, in Westeros on the quiet on the quiet aisle. Um, before I lay out a sy systematic comparison between the Martels and the elder brother, let's flesh out the family portrait with one more hitherto unknown Martel. Um, the Prince of Dorne's younger brother. Uh, let's see. You've got Quint Arian Martel, Quentin. So oh, this is where we get into the name thing. Watch. This is pretty cool. So Quentin is spelled Q-U-E-N-T-Y-N. And you've got Tristane, which has the Y in. And then you've got um, Obrin, oh, right? Yeah. And then Lewin. Lewin. Right. And this is the one that just stopped me in my tracks. He said Marwin, the mage. Oh. Right. <laughs> so uh, it's the only time where you see sort of that, 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 uh, that style in naming Quentin, Tristane, uh, Lewin, uh, Obrin, and then Marwin. So Pate could not deny that Marwin looked more a mastiff than a maester. He's rumored to have killed a man with his fist. So now all of a sudden we're talking about Marwin the mage, a character that I like, who's at the Citadel, and he's working in the higher mystical kind of magical realm. And he's described as having a bull's neck. He looks more like a, a dockside thug. His head was too big for his body. It thrust forward from his shoulders. He had a slab jaw, short and squat, heavy in the chest and shoulders. Um, this is all quotes, by the way. I'm reading these. Uh, round, ra uh, rock-hard ale belly. His nose had been broken more than once. Sour leaf stained his teeth. He had the biggest hands that Sam had ever seen. It's ridiculous, Matt. But like the idea here is that Brienne, who's huge, Right, sees the the uh, the elder brother in notes at the very end, away from all the other descriptions to hide it that he has massive hands. And then you go back and you study the Martell family, and you say, "Wow, they have like a short, stockier, massive, bigger hand, uh, bigger shoulders type figure." And then you figure out, like, well, who else can we help kind of firm that up? Well, now if you buy that Marwin the Mage is a Martell, look at his description, and he's got these the biggest hands that Sam had ever had ever seen um yeah i mean the only thing that, yeah yeah what do you think? 
Well, no, it's oh man, I just you tear it apart. Well, no, no, I like no, I like it actually. It's causing me to actually think more about the idea of that because well, Lady Sarah had sent us one, you know, a while like a year as like last summer, I think, about like yeah. Maester Lewin being yeah. Lewin Martell and so yeah. Now I'm that like, was... I don't know, man. Mike could be Mar, you know, like <laughs> right. That was such a, that was such a cool one to think that 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 um that the Maesters we don't really know always their. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. last name or who or where they came from or how right. they got into service so like marwin the mage you're like shoot you know like right, i know exactly. you're supposed to forsake your house loyalties but he's someone who if he is a martel and there's a connection between also let me just i not that i want to go off on a tangent here but guys follow me for a hot second uh i've said it before that that rainy's targaryen could be alive in the form of sorella sand because she looked dornish she smelled dornish 280 AC, she's alive. Sorella Sand, 280 AC, born. Elia and, and Oberyn were very close. He would clearly help his daughter or his sister's daughter sneak out and take her as his bastard. Now, Matt, she, the, the Sphinx, who people believe is Sorella Sand, the is, riddle. There, is the riddle. And, and who is also close with someone from Dorne. Not just any of the maesters, but close with a Dornish maester in Marwyn the mage. So that to me is like, holy smokes. And then also the whole thing is that the, I mean, the only other, the only other person who says the phrase like the dragon must have three heads is like either in a vision to Danny, Danny herself or the Sphinx or, or I think uh, um, you go look it up on a search of ice and fire though, outside of target known Targaryens, the only person to really say it or for it to be said around is the freaking Sphinx. So and then you're like, well, it must be some Targaryen connection there. So I just want to throw that out there as a quick plug, because now Marwyn is connected to the Martells who are connected to the Targaryens. And that's the family that I think people forget. Elia Martell was married in, had children, and they were close. Prince Lewin fought with Rhaegar, all these different things. Right. Interesting. So just to kind of sure some of this up. Um, the, so, the, so the Marwyn centric comparative family portrait, the elder brother, Sir M, Lewin Martell, they all have thick square jaws, heavy jaws. Uh, Quentin had a heavy jaw. Um, Marwyn the mage had a slab jaw, <laughs> you know, uh, just, just the descriptions go on here. They're, they're all thickly built. They all, uh, uh, dockside thug, mastiff, bull's neck. All of these things sound similar. Ariane has a rounded belly. Quentin was too thick around the middle. Marwyn had a round rock hard ale belly um let's see the elder brother sir, sir m lewin martell has an alcoholic's red bulbous nose covered with broken veins 
Um, Doran Martell has as alcohol fueled gout. Uh, Quinton has a nose too broad. So you have a broad nose already. You've got the tendency for alcohol, uh, uh, you know, wanting to drink a lot of the Dornish wine in the beginnings of these, these drinking problems. So this is all kind of fitting together. And then there's the, the hands. Sam thinks that Marwin's nose was broken. Uh, that's this connection to the nose. The hands, though, again, all these characters, Marwin the mage, Quentin, Doran, the elder brother, they all have these big, they're described as having big, strong hands. Hands. So I, I just found this really interesting. The, the Martells aren't identical. They're not all the same person after all. But this looks like a bunch of related people being described using different terminology, uh, at least to the entire point of creating a mystery be rendered moot by every reader rubbing two gray two gray cells together there's nothing else there's nothing here to rule out the hypothesis and it's bursting with storytelling possibility so what he's saying is that like there's a subtlety here in just the description and the commonality you know again it's the, the seed is strong was what this a game of thrones is all you, you're looking at physical characteristics between the like cersei's children and she and Jamie and the lack thereof of consistency with Robert's bastards. Robert's bastards look totally different. So right. what George has done in this whole series is say, pay attention to the strong. details. Yeah, the seed is strong. And like, like very much note who is related to who based upon physical characteristics. And, and, and like, I mean, he does this with, uh, gosh, the, uh, house, how strong, right. With, um, oh gosh, uh, back in the, back in the dance of dragons. So, you know, that that's it, like they're bastards, the bastard strongs. So I just think it's I think it's I think it's interesting that he does this quite often. And it's something that he's doing here with the elder brother. OK, so let's let's move on. Um, Martell's marry their bannermen. Uh, I'll quickly note one other guy who looks like a Martell cousin. OK, we don't really need, need to do this. He's talking about uh, Sir Archibald Ironwood who is six and a half feet tall, broad shoulders, huge belly with legs as a tree trunk, hands the size of hams and no neck to speak of. So again, too many things connecting. And it, for right. me, the biggest one was that Marwin is connected to this. And now you're connecting the elder brother. So this was a cousin the Martells are, are marrying into uh, the, the Ironwoods. So yeah. All right. Um, now he does go on this whole thing. Let me see here. Yeah, there's a whole section that I don't think I'm going to read you guys. It's, it's, I'll just summarize it for you. It's the great uncle's are old dudes because to dispute this theory, I think a lot of people have said, well, Lou and Martel would be too old. And so if you're kind of not sold on this and you need more evidence that like you could still be a great uncle who was like the last born, you know what I mean? Like, like of a, yes. of a larger family, you could be born late and so on. I mean, that's really all he does is he goes down and he gets into Lewin's paramour a little bit, talks about their ages uh, it really convinced he has dates here where if we assume that Lewin and the Prince of Dorne have the same mother, the math works. Uh, if the Prince of Dorne and her mother's age, when each first gave birth, add up to 30. I mean, dude, he does the math. I'm not even going to go into all of it. It's it's pretty wild. So if you needed that piece, I think he said, I don't want someone to say that this is a factor as to why the elder brother could not be Lewin Martell. The math does work. There is a way in which it can work. And so he he brings that. Uh, up here it's a whole paragraph on that we're gonna skip that down to uh the faceless the faceless elder brother lewin's story so uh lewin can easily be the right age to be the elder brother uh sir m and the elder brother and sir m is a perfect match for our family sourced physical image of lewin martell but what do we know about 
But what do we know of the elder brother? And how does this square with the hypothesis that he's Lua Martel and or a faceless man or, or a faceless man-esque dude? Uh, the elder brother, Sir M, is a healer. The seven have blessed our elder brother with healing hands. Again, a note on the hands. Uh, he has restored many a men to health that even the maesters could not cure and many a women too. All right. So uh, yet he doesn't have, quote, he, do he doesn't, quote, have the gentle, kindly face Brienne expected. Such a face instantly associates the elder brother with the faceless men uh, called the kindly man. It's an ironic inversion of expectations. Uh, the bone breaker heals while the gentle, kindly face kills or at least trains killers. It is very ironic. It's a flip. It's an inversion. You know what I mean? Um, he's a bro. He's a, he's a knight, a former knight, a, a once killer who now heals. And this kindly faced man is a freaking assassin over in Bravos. All right. Um, we're about to see that the elder brother slash Lewin Martel consistently speaks in pregnant riddles, but is suspicious. But his suspicious speech begins when uh, be begins when Brienne's party arrives on the quiet aisle. The elder brother's quote innocent greeting, not coincidentally evokes the faceless men. So here we go. Here's a quote: uh, "It is always a glad day when our friends Marybald and Dog honor us with another visit." He announced before turning to the other guests. And new faces are always welcome. We see so few of them. Uh, faces, Matt. You know, just <laughs> new faces yeah, are yeah, always yeah. welcome. Um, all right. Notably, the elder brother does not ask anyone's name, just as we'd we'd expect of the faceless man. Instead, Marybold performed the customary courtesies unbidden. Uh, the high septon, faceless man's all too generic autobiography. The elder brother's story is curiously impersonal. Uh, in true faceless man fashion, he names no names. Because of this, it lends itself to decoding if we assume it is not the literal truth, but a, a, uh, a, a genericized version of a, of a past life as formulated by a faceless man trained to a lie in, or sorry, a trained to lie in the faceless man fashion. So, okay, that, that's all to say that like um, he, there's a lot of riddles in this and that what he says might not be, you know, they play that game. The faces man, they, they they play that like lying game. Arya plays it. Yes. You have to, like Arya has to play it. Right, exactly. He says there's a version of that kind of going on on here, and so I guess I'll read a little bit of it to you. Um, why would you give up knighthood? I never chose it. My father was a knight, and his before him. So were my brothers, everyone. And then some commentary here, probably mostly true, given the gap between birth births of the Prince of Dorne and Lewin Martell. They likely have numerous half brothers. The Martells are knights who don't emphasize it. Uh, Quentin had even taken knighthood, knighthood at Ironwood's hands in preference to the Red Vipers. So that shows that Quentin and Oberyn are knights. But beyond this, uh, Lewin's brothers are also Kingsguard, every one of them a perforce um, knight. So here we go. I was trained for battle since the day they deemed me old enough to hold a wooden sword. I saw my share of them and did not disgrace myself. I had women too, and there I did not disgrace myself. For some I took by force. Or I'm sorry, there I did disgrace myself for some I took by force. So a good fighter, a lusty and occasionally rapey guy. 
Um, there was a girl <laughs> I wish. Yeah, sorry. He's going over all the things. Yeah, that I, I, know, I know. Yeah, yeah. From the elder brother. Um, there was a girl I wished to marry, the younger daughter of a pretty lord. But I was my father's third-born son and had neither land nor wealth to offer her, only a sword, a horse, a shield. It seems that Lewin Martel loved a girl, and as a younger son, he wouldn't inherit land uh, or over much wealth, but might the rest be ironic, a reverse exaggeration. So to yeah, to call upon sort of the, the waif's lying game term, terminology, a prince of Dorne, even the youngest of many, could marry the younger daughter of a pretty lord, right? Perhaps his story is a faceless man speak for I loved the eldest daughter of a great lord, but was, uh, yeah, but because of my birth order, you know, he was denied uh, that that uh, chance to, to marry an eldest daughter. So what he's really saying here is that a lot of what is being said here needs to be taken with with some like looked at through the lens of he's he's lying, right? right. That like we're, we just so often believe every word that's said. And what the waif shows us over in Bravos is that like it's important to you, if you're an assassin and you're telling a story and you're putting on a face and you're you're creating a different identity that you have to really be good at selling that. And the elder brother is is doing that is good at that. Right. Yeah. So when I was not fighting, I was drunk, just as your nose and family history with alcohol addiction suggest. Uh, my life was written red in blood and wine. Uh, when did it change? Yes, Brianne. When I died in the Battle of the Trident. It is known, so he says, when I died in the Battle yeah. of the Trident. So who died there? It is known that Lewin Martell died. But the elder right. brother tells us several times um, that on the quiet aisle, died and dead don't mean died and dead, right? So pretty pretty cool. Another one here. I fought for Prince Rhaegar, though he never knew my name. I could not tell you why, save that uh, the Lord I served served a Lord who served a Lord who had decided to support the dragon rather than the stag. He had decided else had he decided elsewise I might have been on the other side of the river. This is a faceless I'm no one version of Luan Martel's story. Whereas Luan Martel was friends with Rhaegar and knew exactly why he fought on his side. The elder brother pleads too perfectly um you know in, like uh, anonymity meaning like he's not uh he's, he's trying to distance himself from being anyone yeah. That could be easily identified. So this is where you have to get a little tinfoil with it and say uh, you have to kind of believe that if this guy has already established our theorist here has already established that there is a neo faith, that there's uh, there's a lot of connections, you know, between him not having a kindly face. Like if you can buy that there is somehow a connection between this group and this faction and the faceless man, then you look at the faceless man and you say, what are other things that they do? They lie and they 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 twist distort the truth in a way that protects their identity to, to some degree or whatever. And that's essentially what goes on here. And so the rest of this is really just, um, let, me, let me finish two more and then we're done here. So the battle was a bloody thing. The singers would us uh, would have us believe it was all Rhaegar and Robert struggling in the stream for a woman who both they claimed to love. But I assure you, other men were fighting too, and I was one. I took an arrow through the thigh and another through the foot, and my horse was killed from under me. Yet I fought on. I can still remember how desperate I was to find another horse, for I had no coin to buy one. Without a horse, I would no longer be a knight. Uh, that was all that I was thinking of, in truth be told. If truth be told, right there. That was, that was all I was thinking of, if truth be told. That was another thing that he said, like, 
the fact that you say that sometimes indicates that maybe the truth isn't being told here, right? Um, I never saw the blow that felled me. I heard hooves behind my back and thought a horse. But before I could turn, something slammed into my head and knocked me uh, back into the river where my by rights I should have drowned. So with the exception of the I was a poor hedge knight passage regarding the horse, this echoes uh, what we're told of um, Lewin Martel's death. Prince Lewin had been sorely wounded by the time of the tide of by the time the tide of the battle swept him to his final dance with Lady Forlorn. So he was already wounded, like in this person. Mm -hmm. Again, the elder brother is saying, I was shot in the leg and in the foot. Um, and then so that kind of fits up. And then and then just one more here. Uh, instead, I woke up here upon the quiet aisle. The elder brother told me I had washed up on the tide naked as my name day. I can only think that someone found me in the shallows, stripped me of my, my armor, my boots, my britches, pushed me back out into the deeper water. The river did the rest. We were all born naked. And so I suppose it was only fitting that I came into my second life the same way. I spent the next 10 years in silence. And here's his commentary on that. So Lewin Martel died, but survives via mysterious circumstances and spends 10 years training as a faceless man slash becoming indoctrinated into the faceless man, which he calls his second life since he is dead. Are decoys used that day on the trident? Does a petty knight dress as Lewin and die at the hands of Lynn Corbray? More importantly, does Rhaegar pull a similar switch, possibly involving his rubies and a glamour? Before you dismiss this, consider the belief that Renly has risen from the dead uh, when Garland wears his armor. The hound slash rogue confusion and read the long discussion of the battle of the seven stars in the world of ice and fire to be discussed below. So that is sort of part one to this whole thing. And the idea that, and I, I it's, it's sometimes hard to read because there's just so much going on there, Yeah, but Matt, there's a lot of content in this, in this. Yeah. Right. And that's just, again, he goes on in, in great detail with other stuff. But to me, what was cool is that you took all these different physical descriptions of the Martells. And now I understand the Martells more so. And I know to look out for those connections. And you looked, you took what a, like the elder brother, you just can't take, it's so shrouded in mystery. There's so many things going on. The grave diggers in front of us being uh, posing as a different person. This whole group, they show nothing. They show nothing of their faces except their eyes. They are faceless, in fact. And they are on a quiet aisle right so like not one where you're gonna you know not a lot is said and 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 like the truth if the truth be told there's just too many things as i was reading i was just like okay this is really good and i read part two equally as good equally as good with other connections goes down different paths and so i guess for you guys just some some food for thought in terms of like who these people could be uh sir let me pull this guy up here real quick um sir morgarth or Morgarth. I know. I think I was saying. Uh, I might be saying it. Morg Morgarth. Yeah. Uh, Morgarth, Morgarth yeah. the Mary. Yeah. Is a hedge. Yes. Knight. So I'm trying. I, I'm trying to do math over here. Um, mm -hmm. because you know, he's the the idea of like the elder brother, right? Yeah. Um, you know, but the it's the elder brother told me I had washed up on this aisle. All these stuff. Well, I mean, Doran Martell is a brother of the Kingsguard, is how he is described. That I'm trying to yeah. see exactly like yeah. how how old he would be if this were to. You mean Lewin Martell? How old he is? Lewin Mar Martell. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. So Lewin. Yeah. So Lewin Martell 
dies in 283, but he's 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 brought into the Kingsguard during the service of Ares the second. Ares's reign is like 243 to 283. Um, I think. Right. Just right. to try to see, like, would would he how you know, would he is he the oldest Kingsguard member during the mm -hmm. Yeah, let me let me pull up um the Mad Kings Kingsguard. Um because he's definitely guys, old. He's older than Barristan Selmy. I know that for sure. Right. And he's certainly older than Jamie and probably older than Arthur Dane. Right, right. Um, Tommen, here we go. Aries. Okay, so Gerald Hightower, Prince Lewin. Uh, Gerald so Hightower Barristan. might be old. Yeah, he was that at the time the Lord Commander known as the White Bull. Um, Actually, Barristan Selmy might be older than him. Yeah, it could because Barristan fights with like Dunk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, what's interesting about the about the elder brother is that like so Lou this whoever this guy is that is now the elder brother was found by the elder right brother by the elder brother him. right yeah so he becomes this this title so and that's right. interesting. So and what then, I'm saying is the current elder brother could be is yeah right what he's saying is yeah could it's, be. It's could be Lewin, Lewin Martell. And of course, it's the idea is like the elder brother, but George does love to play with these, like connecting this piece to this piece. Yeah. And so Lewin Martell has, he had, he is actually a younger brother um, in his family. He has, he has a, he has a, he has a True. brother that is a prince of Dorne that's unknown. We don't know. We, there's, it's, it's, or, uh, excuse me, a princess of Dorne. Um, that's unknown that's his only direct relative and then he has like you know then he has his niece he has tons of nieces and nephews and stuff like that so he's he is doran martell's uncle but the idea that he could be a brother the elder brother inside of the kingsguard as well too it could be like you know those, these are the type of things that george does where it's like okay here's this tiny little thing that's going to come up and over here and yeah. He's also an elder brother in the Kingsguard. Right. So, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. So they're saying approximately Lewin Martell was like 235 AC. This is just, yeah. uh, these are all approximates. People have gone back, like, there's a range. Quite, quite definitely. Yeah, yeah, it, it's definitely a range because he dies in 283. And so Jamie gets brought in, I think, at like 15, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, minimally, you know, it would have if, if he was only in the King's Guard for like a year, that would put him at 283 minus 15, which is probably like what 250 something mm -hmm. or 260 something. So 283 minus 15. But he's obviously 271 would be like the absolute minimum. But I'm sure he's 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 probably a lot older than 15. So now you're talking 260, something like that. So he is he's probably he he's probably the the second oldest or something in the King's Guard. So that would make him an elder brother to a lot of people. So it's important yeah, you know, it, yeah. when wins when wins comes out and to go back and really kind of to dive into some more of this stuff too. If I could be one on a total side tangent here, none of this stuff could have any of the connections to it. Yeah. But it's like to because there's not really that many quotes about him, but to see any no. anything that anybody ever says. Because there's a quote about him <clears throat> from Jamie Lannister when he's talking to the current members of the Kingsguard, he says, I learned from the white bull and bears and the bold. I learned from Sir Arthur Dane, the sword of the morning who could have slain all of the five of you with his left hand while he was taking a pee with his right. I learned from Prince Lewin of Dorne and Sir Oswald went, you know, good men, everyone. 
that's really that's really about it. Aries Oakart says, I never had the honor to know him, but everyone agrees he was a great knight. Right. So there's there's not a lot of quotes about him. Right. Yeah. And so th- that's that that is a tough one. Um to kind of I think killed someone by, killed by Lynn Corbray, right? And Lynn Corbray does have a Valyrian steel sword. Yeah. Um, lady, 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 lady forlorn, which is one of those. I don't know that we did we actually ever see it. Yes, we, yes, we do. But it's just one of those where it's briefly mentioned that it happens to be Valyrian steel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So. Uh, yeah. Declarant. Uh, that's interesting because if there because what is said is that. um So you have you have Lynn Corbury is is there near the Lord's declarant and he's there with. um near near peter baelish and if you want to go a step further with this morgarth the mary if that is because he's this theorist was was alleging that this is a guy who has has uh broken his his a bulbous nose with broken veins and large gnarled hands uh he has a red yeah okay he has a he's burly and he has a thick salt pepper beard so he basically said that so we've we've done a lot of stuff with the elder brother but Mm -hmm. then i have to look at when this comes up when is he mentioned exactly which chapter he's in he's in chapter 41 of a feast for crows where is the elder brother mentioned here when does she come across him um chapter 31 okay so later on 10 chapters later is that right 10 chapters later she comes across a guy in the service so morgarth the mary um who is has a has a very similar descriptive sort of grew up maybe grew out a beard has a red bulbous nose i i don't know how he made that like i that's just all just description and that but what's interesting is that lynn corbury is there and they're about they're about to have a tournament they're about to have a big uh like the, the winged knighted whatever freaking trying to find um sweet robin's eight members of his little guard right he's trying to get he wants similar to what tommen has tommen has seven so he wants eight uh, but Lynn Corbray could go up against this uh, Sir Morgarth the Mary, who, if that guy is the quiet or sorry, the elder brother who is Lewin Martell. I mean, that's a rematch. That's a rematch of what yes. happens in the Battle of, uh, Battle of the Triton. So if that's the case, that would be really, really kind of cool. Um, not saying it's going to go that far, because, again, that 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 character is just a hedge knight who not much is said at all. But again, if you go with the idea that these are faceless men, they might be assuming different identities. And when you describe a hedge knight, if you're George R. R. Martin and you describe a hedge knight whose description is very similar, except for a little beard, a little stubble, but is almost identical to the elder brother, then you might say, okay, we've got like the face may even be a little different and the beard's growing out or something. But if that is the same guy, then holy crap, maybe they are doing some faceless men, Westerosi activity which would be yes. kind of crazy. Yes. All tinfoil, yeah. Matt, but I mean, it's like, I love that. They, I don't know, man. This is pretty Valyrian steel tinfoil to me. I mean, yeah, it's, right. <laughs> it's, look, it's looking pretty legit. And this is just yeah. part one, so there's a part right. two and a part three we'll have to do as well. Right, exactly. And and they're they're buried down in here, and I can I can put, you know, again, I skipped over some of the the math or whatever, and we can maybe talk about that in part two or something, but like it, for him, it did work out. He tried to figure out that approximate age of, prince lewin martel and even just like how he would be related in terms of an elder brother to some of the kingsguard members as matt was just figuring out and then even like an elder brother maybe to like who like marwin the mage where does he is he is he an elder brother like is marwin his younger brother or is marwin related to um obrin 
and uh, Doran Martell, things like that. You know, we don't right. really know where Marwin would fit in. And does that help this with this idea? Because again, it could just be the title, the elder brother, which is fine, right? Because uh, they're on this, they're on this island. But dude, I just was like, for me, because I'm a big fan of Marwin the Mage and knowing where the heck all of that's going. When he tied me, that w- w- he convinced me that Mar, and maybe that's that's been a known thing for people. And and honestly, guys, I've I've read the series numerous times, and I love going back and rereading it. I never, I never really associated Marwin the Mage with with House Martell. I just didn't. I don't know. It's right there. Right. Marwin, Lewin. You know, um, yeah. Oberyn, Quentin, Tristane. It's just, it's right there. And uh, it, it's really cool. And again, the Sphinx uh, association there is cool. And then now possibly this, this Lewin uh, thing. Now, I don't know though, the whole, the whole connection between Sansa and the elder brother and Brienne seems kind of odd. Like maybe he's just biding his time doing his thing because you see, they would be more into, if you're a Martell, you'd be more interested in, targaryen style stuff right you'd be more interested in like danny and young griff and maybe that will come at, at one point but the the other theory and i just want to mention this for folks to, to run down and have fun with is that he is a member uh he was a third son if you take that story and you don't think there's some faceless man like lying or deception going on and you take the story as to who he is and how he fought and the lord you know the lesser lord of a lord or whatever and he's the third son he could be from house Derry. And he could have been a knight that has survived that could be an heir because right now House Derry is without an heir. Um, there could be a bastard out there. He might this this elder brother guy could could fit that. But he seems to be physically described. And again, we'd have to go look at um, at, at some of the other members. We looked at John Derry. John Derry was mentioned in this and as people who were close to uh, Sir Arthur Dane and you know, his death and just around him. So, yeah, I don't know. But it just causes you to think so much about a character that I haven't thought much about at all. And, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. G- g- gave no, it zero I thoughts. Really? Yeah, agreed. So, yeah, this hopefully. I love I love, I love, love these when we, when it gets, when it focuses on a character that it's like, oh, man, just haven't really. Right. These. They're just going to show you the, the minor characters as well as the Song of Ice and Fire community, like really diving in hard on a lot of these, like, I mean, just m- characters that you read with just such a passing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and then the other thing is that like you, um, cause this is a big tie back to, to the histories. It's like they mention all of these, um, I don't know, like Kingsguard and these other people who are connected to, to to sir arthur dane and it's like it, it's a dive back down in, in the histories but what the reason with it that the theories do that is because our freaking characters do it like Jamie right. is often thinking about the smiling knight and we've i've gone down this whole kettle black idea that it's one of the kettle blacks that he's gonna have to face as a smiling knight they're all described as freaking smiling and and they're the bane of his you know like right now he hates them um some of them are hooking up with his, his sister cersei and then replacing him as as a Kingsguard member so, but he thinks about the smiling knight, and then he thinks about Sir Arthur Dane, the other king's uh, guard members. And so, when they reflect on those characters, it's important. You know, when Danny reflects on Rhaegar and and Robert's rebellion is just where it's at. Everything yeah. about that rebellion is so like like the tourney uh, at Harrenhal, all of it. George did such a good job in creating a sort of a prologue or whatever, a massive prologue or, or starter to this whole war. And from that, there there were secrets, there were backstabbings, there were bastard children, there were 
there were um, affairs, there were things that were going on that caused all of this to be really intricate. And now in our story, some of the major players in this Game of Thrones, the Song of Ice and Fire, are shrouded in mystery. And I love that this this Reddit user said that, like, we're not meant to, our characters just believe, like, Sir, Sir Morgarth. It's just, he's a hedge knight. No big deal. Don't look any yeah. closer at his physical description and don't even think for a second that, by the way, this guy didn't just find a, another character who had a bulbous nose and big hands and big shoulders in anywhere in the story. He found in the same book, in the same Brienne chapters, doing a Brienne point of view read through a character who just, who she had just met 10 chapters prior, who was described the same way. That is what I call like proximity to a character and in a story and in a plot line that's meant to help you make that connection. Even though George doesn't give you all the Brienne chapters all in a row, they're all kind of spread out. But if you're paying close enough attention, you'll see that she just encountered someone like that. Maybe. Very tinfoil, but... And again, he could also be just regurgitating descriptions sometimes to help him get through these things. That's another thing. He might have just, you know, went in there and, and went at it and said, oh, let's just make this guy have a... Let's just throw people off a little bit. You know what I mean? Make it right. not... Yeah, more ambiguous and that's okay too but yeah oh yeah we're yeah we're gonna have to do part two and part three of this yeah it's sick it's it's really good and then the offshoots too there's some really good ones which we can do those for patreon but really good offshoot ideas and thoughts and the fact i i've you know sir sir shadrick being Helen reed i've never given that much weight but when you have people like this say it i'm like oh let's go look at it you know let's maybe right the mad yeah. mouse sure yeah you never know man never know you never know it's all connected as it that's is how we end it that's how we end all these theories by saying it's all connected so yeah. awesome awesome yeah well you guys stay tuned we'll definitely have to do part two and part three of this and of course we do have the prologue of a storm of swords coming as well as well as some patreon content coming your guys way um we'll probably plan a uh we get a we gotta get a oh Zoom yeah hangout going here going here soon yes yeah, um I have to take a look at the old at the old calendar here as an old planet and we'll announce that on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere. So yeah. Um, all right, guys. So with that, stay tuned. As always, be sure to follow us on social media. You can follow me at anywhere at Super Games Rose as anywhere at Womprat underscore two M. You can check out our other projects as well. We do Star Wars, Hyperspace Hangout, uh, Wheel of Time, which is uh Heroes of the Horn. We cover Harry Potter, we're just about we are just about to finish the first book, a um, Sorcerer's yeah. Stone or Philosopher's Stone for those of you over there in England. Yeah. Uh, and talk about the first movie. And then, of course, Secrets of Dumbledore is coming as well. So you can check that out. And uh, yeah, we have tons of content on Apple Premium and Patreon uh, that will be uh, pulling over and all that stuff. So you can guys check that out as always. Um, anyway, guys, thank you for listening. Hope you have a great rest of your day. And remember that winter is comic.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 